want Christians and I want God's people to be, you know, caught off guard. I want you to know the truth because the truth will make you free. So that's what, I'm, that's what I'm here to do. I'm not saying everything in Hebrew Roots movement is wrong. I'm not saying everything in Messianic group, the movement is wrong. I'm just saying there's mysticism in there. So be careful and watch out for it. Now, he talked about the Mishnah or the Moed in his, uh, in his video clip last week. So what does Moed mean? Well, Moed, it's a Hebrew, or it's called festivals. It's the second order of the Mishnah, the first written recording of the Oral Torah, Oral Torah, that's hard to say out loud, Oral Torah of the Jewish people. Uh, it's out of the Wikipedia is where I got this. But anyway, there's no such thing as Oral, oral Torah. No such thing. So if you don't know that, you could be caught off guard. You might be thinking, oh, wow, I didn't know there was an Oral Torah too. It's not of God. It's actually paganism. So it's mysticism. So be careful. Don't just believe everything that you're hearing and seeing sometimes. And I would encourage you to do your own research on this. You know, it just seems to fall in my lap. I, I told Stan, I was like, the more I'm even teaching now, even when I taught the DVD years ago, it's like more and more is coming forth. And I am writing a book on this now to expose some of this stuff so that that you can find a balance so that you know this is of God, this is not of God, this I'll not do. Now, when in the video, you could see you know, that Jonathan Kahn, he was teaching from the Zohar. Um, and to me, what I found so fascinating was that the church audience were saying, yes and amen. You know, we have to be careful when we're agreeing with a teacher, right? We have to be very, very careful. And the audience was clapping their hands with excitement. I think if, if you'll go back and look at that video, you'll remember. And the audience just caught up in the cosmic trance-like state. I think so. If you would see the video again, you'll see they're just like in awe of this man. And it's really a cosmic uh, trance that he puts you in. And if you continue on in this teaching, you'll find out what I mean there too. Now, this was a summary from the Jonathan Kahn, the Zohar Speaks, when he's trying to teach about Golgotha. Um, we know it's a physical place, although it's been destroyed now, but it was a physical place. It was right where, you know, where Jesus was on the cross. And so if you, if you go to Jerusalem, um, I don't know how many years ago it's been destroyed. Do you have any idea? Can you get your microphone on so you can uh, enter in? So this is the Zohar. These are pagan rabbis that they speak of life from the dead. Uh, the redemption of the worlds he talks about with his Messiah coming. Uh, he says, all mercy of God comes from Golgotha. It's a mystical thing is what he said. So if you have your ears tuned, you start going, mm, something's not right here. From the Zohar 128D, in the Golgotha sits the myriads of worlds. And we found out that that's how the Buddhists talk too. The myriads of worlds. Then we hear, you're going to hear more about the, the ancient one today from me. Worlds to come is the dew, the light of the ancient one. See, all this kind of sounds awesome. Then he goes, the Moed, the cosmic change, which, is, which in other uh, descriptions he talks about, that's the soul temple. It's a little scary to me that we can be so caught up into this man. Our teacher's like this. Uh, he says, what mercy? Go to Golgotha. Worlds to come all took place 30 AD, and then the Golgotha is the center for everything. It's what, but they say it in a different way. Um, so we want to go and see Jesus in the written word, right? We see Jesus in, we say the King James Bible. We find it in our word of God. So he says, you want mercy, you go to Golgotha. 
We say, no, if you want mercy, you come to Jesus. Uh, Golgotha brings us life. No, Jesus is the only one who gives us eternal life. And then he talks about light of the ancient one, which is Lucifer. Jesus is the only true light. And they're referring to Lucifer as a mason, the Illuminati. That's where the mysticism comes in. And John 8, 12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now we're going to go talk about more about the Zohar and the Kabbalistic mysticism. This is from this lady Barrett. Um, this was updated on July 30th, 2012. Now she had this recent interview with Jonathan Kahn. He, you can find um, uh, video clips where he tries to say that he wasn't teaching from the Zohar and things like that. But what he really, he does teach from the Zohar, by the way. And he does try to engage you into the Zohar. He tries to, uh, to me, it's an entrapment into the Zohar, believing that it's okay. And his, the way he was saying about this one video clip that I watched, I'm not going to show it to you, but he was trying to say that, um, that with this, the Zohar, what he was trying to say is that Jesus, you know, from all kinds of writings, you find Jesus. Well, you can find Jesus in the Quran, but it's not our Jesus. That's the problem. So if people just say, well, you know, I'm going back and teaching from, from um, ancient you know, books, the mysteries books, and well, right there, you know, the mysticism is, it's right there. And you're, if you're in any kind of the, of the, the Kabbalists or any kind of the mysticism books, then I don't want to be taught from that, me personally. And so I believe that there's a lot of you watching, a lot of you here, you don't want to be taught from that either. Correct? Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, the question is, it is stated that Jonathan's cause says that the Zohar, an extra biblical mystery, mystical source, from which the occultic and mystical Kabbalah is derived, greatly influenced his writing. Khan's answer was, unfortunately, this kind of statement represents some of the extreme and bizarre opposition to the harbinger. It is an extreme false accusation. It's not because he says he's talking from the Zohar. He's teaching from the Zohar. Um, he goes, no, I have never in my life said that the Zohar has greatly influenced my writing, nor has it ever. Rabbinical writings, mystical or otherwise, have been quoted for ages. So here, if you're not paying attention to what he's saying, he does study these other mystical books out there. and tries to engage you in them and make them part of his teachings. Now, if, if it was to expose it, if it was to say, don't go there, don't study it, don't believe it, it's mysticism, because God tells us not to do it, that'd be one thing. But if he's teaching it as if it's okay, and as if it's, as if it's Jesus in the Zohar, then we have a problem. All right? All right, so um, uh, his rabbinical writing, Mary, mystical or otherwise, have never have been quoted for ages in biblical commentaries, apologetic works as life and times of Jesus, the Messiah, etc., he says, the Apostle Paul actually quoted from a pagan hymn to Zeus, that's not true, by the way, in order to share the truth of the gospel at Mars Hill. If we were to then to accuse him of being into Zeus worship, or that pagan writings were behind the epistles, or accuser of him being secretly pagan, I would think that we would need to repent. It's called bearing false witness. What false witness is what he says. Now, that's not what Paul did, by the way. All right. Jonathan Kahn stated Paul actually quoted from a pagan hymn to Zeus 
In Acts 17, 22 and 23 says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, Athens, excuse me, you men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious, which is idolatry. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship him, declare unto you. So he was getting on to them for the pagan worship. He wasn't teaching them pagan worship. Right? So where's the Zeus Paul, Paul, Zeus Paul spoke of? What communion has light with darkness? That's what it's all about. It's not the Zeus there. Okay? He wasn't teaching them uh, some kind of pagan paganism. When Jonathan, when Jonathan quotes from the Zohar, he praises the skull and thing instead of the cross where he died for us, our Savior, our Lord. That's what I noticed about it. Ephesians 5.11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, this is just uh, one of the books out there. It's the Secrets of Practical Kabbalah. And unfortunately, a lot that are in Hebrew Roots Movement, they do study this kind of thing. It talks about the secrets and the mysteries and the mysticism. And so they bring it all together as if it's including Christ. Um, this woman wrote Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism. So I'm going to show you what Jewish mysticism is. Some of the words that are in there uh, that you can see how uh, this Jonathan Kahn and others are using words straight from Jewish mysticism. Now, this is a, we're talking about the light of the ancient one. If you, if you remember that little video clip, it talked about the light of the ancient one as if it was something really, really wonderful. Um, I'm not going to go through this whole thing because I can't even pronounce a lot of the words. But um, it talks about the faces of God or the holy ancient one. It talks about the skull, the keter, which is what we talked about like that last, last week. Uh, if you look towards the bottom of this paragraph here, it says the white matter of the brain inside the skull, an airy membrane covering the brain, a beard consisting of white wool, a forehead synonymous with power, an open eye. That ought to be right there if you've listened to the Prophecy Club. That'd be going, woo, ding, 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 ding. You know, we've got like the, the open eye or the, the unseen eye. We have the Illuminati. We have mysticism uh, for unfaltering attention and so forth. So we're going to go here for next, next one. And then residing here, then it talks about there's, again, it, it talks about different levels of the, of the skull and things like that. And then it talks about the Zohar, how it points out that excluding the first word and the second verse of Genesis, and it goes into some of the Hebrew words that embody some of these things. And then it talks about the Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, which is, that's all fine and all wonderful. But they try to bring it in that if you don't study and, and, and really um, to say that the dew has come in that, that represents God, then you're not really following, following God. You're not really following Jesus. That's the part that really upsets me. Um, oh, then it talks about here that it says you're going to go and follow, it says, to the lower Shekinah. So if you've gotten my book on Shekinah Not Right, you understand too now that they try to say it's Father, Son, Mother. Father, Son, Shekinah. They don't say that, that they say that the Holy Spirit is female, the female part of God. That's not true. That comes in from the mysticism. That comes in from the Kabbalah, all the paganism that's there. So Shekinah is not right. So if you follow somebody that's calling in the Shekinah glory, you need to repent, you need to leave and not go back. Um, the skull, it talks about the skull and how important this, this, the skull is and, and same thing. It's all about um, where they say Golgotha, it's, it's not a physical place, it's just a spiritual place. Now they, this is the other thing they say, you know, that they're, that they're, they're, 
that last sentence, unifying the two hays or balancing the yawed hay involved means that the mediator must hold the, the exhaled, exhaled breath after reciting each letter. Does that remind you of this? Um, does me. Trying to channeling in. We talked about, you know, a couple of weeks ago about the channeling or the, um, the, uh, um, um, the waves going back, not the electrical waves, but like a, what's the word? Um, energy, like an energy going back and forth. You know, we, we have to watch that. We have to be very careful. All right, so another, the small face is the Shekinah. Uh, it talks about um, the drogonomous face of Adam Kadmon. That is not our Adam of the Bible, by the way. Uh, they say it's affiliated with the sacred name Elohim and is designed to harmonize one's masculine and feminine qualities. So you see, it's, it is very mystical and all these kinds of things. Yes. So who is this Adam Kadmon? That's what I want to know. Why are they saying this, you know, as if this was somebody some, or some name that's so important? In the Kabbalah, it's the primordial man. He's spoken of Adam Kadmon. And in the Lurianic Kabbalah, this symbol becomes a pivotal notion linking God, man, and the world. Adam Kadmon, as the first being to emerge from the infinite Godhead, is essentially indistinguishable from the deity. Yet at the same time, his body is said to be both imminent and constitute the world. Man having been created in God's image is said by the Kabbalists to be comprised of the very same cosmic elements. So we've got problems here, people. Uh, the symbol of Adam Kadmon expresses the idea that the cosmos itself has both a soul and a body very much like that of man. That's where they get soul temple. Okay? So this is who they're referring to. When they talk about Adam Kadmon, if someone doesn't know, they might be saying, oh, wow, they're talking about, you know, Adam of our, of our Bible. No, it's not. It's a mystical, it's a cosmic, cosmic person. These are pictures you can find on the internet of this Adam Kadmon who they worship. You know, the, the ancient one, right? The ancient one, this man with this, this beard. And I mean, you can see it looks like Hinduism, you know, right there. And, and becoming an all, you know, the, the becoming a god themselves. That's their goal. That's what the, the goal of Lucifer is, try to get you to think you can become a god. Um. So who is he speak, who was Jonathan Kahn really speaking of in the light of the Ancient One? Well, the Ancient One, I mean, you can go back and read some of this. You can, you can even get my videotape, um, go through the, the Prophecy Club or DVD on this, and you can pause it and you can read it for yourself. But it's, it's, again, it's talking about the small faith. Or it's talking about the Ancient One. It's talking about um, uh, the, the Shekinah, that's who, he's all, that's who he's all bringing in. It's a cosmic God is what he's really trying to say. Uh, this message of the Zohar speaks, Golgotha, the cosmic skull, the rabbinical mysteries, part five, is a heretical teaching by Jonathan Kahn. So others are saying this too. It is widely taught in the Kabbalistic centers by Kabbalists themselves. In order to substantiate this claim type in the search bar, the following information is on YouTube. And you can go, and I'm going to show you a little videotape here in just a minute from this Billy Phillips, which is, I'll be nice. He's a knucklehead. So I'll go, I'll go on. So we're here, we'll listen to him for a minute. It's not going. I did. History in Christianity. We all heard today, but... It's supposed to be the end of the world. It's the end of the world. 
It's the end of the world of illusion and misconception and falsehood about Christianity and Jesus' true teaching. Because right now, for the first time in human history, we're going to tell you publicly what's been going on and what it really means and how it's going to bring peace to Christians, Israelites, Muslims, Buddhists, atheists, everybody. It says Jesus was crucified in a place called Golgotha. If you look at the New Testament, it says, And he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. It actually says in the New Testament that the word is Aramaic. No one knows for the last 2,000 years why that name was chosen, Golgotha. Why the place of the skull? No one knows where Golgotha is. There's been all kinds of theories, what it is, where it is. Golgotha remains one of the biggest riddles in Christianity. The Catholic Encyclopedia admits no one knows the origin of the name Golgotha, where it comes from. The name Golgotha is not to be found anywhere in all Hebrew literature. There was no such place known to the ancients in pre-Christian times. Some say the skull refers to the skull of Adam and Eve, of, of Adam. Meet Origen. He's one of the founding fathers of Christianity. One of the earliest fathers of the church. He says... Golgotha, and he lives like literally 100, 200 years after Jesus. Golgotha probably refers to the burial place of the skull of Adam. Origen says, quote, I have received a tradition to the effect that the body of Adam, the first man, was buried upon the spot where Christ was crucified. Meet Tertullian, another church father, 160 AD. There is a place, he wrote, 2,000 years ago, now Golgotha, the place of the skull named in the earlier tongue. Here is the earth's center. Here was victory won. Here the ancients say was found a mighty head. St. Jerome wrote Golgotha was connected to the skull of Adam. But the Adam theory doesn't hold up because Adam and Eve are buried here. Hebron, Israel, the tomb of the patriarchs. Christians, Muslims, and Israelites all acknowledge that's where Adam and Eve are buried. Along this with is Abraham, just garbage. This Isaac is garbage. According to the Catholic Encyclopedia, all theories about Golgotha throughout history are either too remote, too isolated, absurd, weak. They fall short proof of facts. Nobody knows what it is. We know in the New Testament, it says to the masses, Jesus spoke in parables, metaphors. To the disciples of his inner circle, he revealed the mysteries. So remember these clues. Skull, resurrection of the dead, Adam. All these are connected to the story of Jesus, right? He died in Golgotha. He was resurrected. And the place, it means the place of the skull. And the earliest church fathers say it's connected to Adam. Not our Adam. In your Siddur is the answer. If you look in the Siddur of the Kabbalah Center, you'll find Takuni Nefesh. At the very top, you'll find the word Golgotha. It's up by the head, Keter, 
Everybody see it? So where is Golgotha? It's from the Zohar. What is Golgotha? It's the top of the Sfirot in the Zohar. It's Atika Kadisha. The Zohar also uses the word Golgotha to describe the whole upper three Sfirot. What's the connection to skull and resurrection? Let's look in the Zohar. Into this skull, Golgotha drips dew from the white head, and from this dew, the dead will be restored to life. Resurrection. It's in the Zohar. When they said they can't find any ancient Hebrew writings with Golgotha, the Zohar was kept secret. Nobody knew it. It's been in the Zohar for 2,000 years. This is what Rabbi Shimon taught tonight to his disciples. The Zohar says, from the dew, and remember, we're not talking about dew, we're talking about the Yud Kevav. From this dew in the skull Golgotha, man is ground for the righteous for the world to come, and through it the dead shall be revived. Golgotha was never a physical location. It is a physical is. location. Absolutely. Golgotha is the place we need to reach to ignite the resurrection of our happiness, the answers to our prayers, by climbing up the tree of life, by transforming and getting rid of our egos. Nowhere in ancient writings do we find the Aramaic word Golgotha except for the Zohar. What's the connection to Adam? It's not the skull of Adam and Eve, it's the skull of Adam Kadmon, the Adam from the Zohar. But of course, the early church fathers weren't privy to the teachings that were taking place tonight, but word sleeped out. They knew the name Adam was involved. They knew Skull was involved. They knew Golgotha was involved. They just didn't get the whole story. Adam Kadmon is the primordial man, a metaphor for the ten Sphirot. It's his skull that the Zohar speaks about. Next the mystery. On the top of every cross, you see the phrase Inri. Everybody know that? They've seen that before? It's on every painting. Why Inri? No one knows why Inri appears at the top of the cross. Here's a list of uh, explanations. Everyone has their own theory. Remember, to earn the wisdom, we have to conceal it. So that's what happened. They put up a curtain in front of the Sfirot. One, two, and that creates the whole story of Golgotha. Zaron Pin, which we connect to, is the Son of God. As we transform our body, our consciousness step by step, we connect to that dew, the light of the upper world, Atika Kadisha, also called Golgotha in the Zohar, the source of all. I went over to Michael Berg after his lecture on Shabbat and I said, Golgotha, right? He smiles. He says, yep, Golgotha is the whole Atika Kadisha. You should go listen to his lecture. It's, it's freaking mind-blowing. And when we make that connection, we resurrect happiness. Now, we must conceal the name of the teacher. So remember the technique the Kabbalists use? You only keep the last letter. Let's take out the first words, the first letters for Rabbi, Shimon, Bar, Yochai. And that's Inri. Using the same coded system of using the last letters. So these two pictures you see right here, it's the same story. Just one was concealed in Christianity, says the Kabbalists, because the Israelites lost the merit 
to have Kabbalah. So it was hidden inside Christianity. Go to Kabbalah TV, you'll see the lecture why. But that's why they're using different words from the Zohar. It's almost over. The murder of Jesus. Then what's the cross all about? Peter told the Jewish authorities they had killed Christ by hanging him on a tree. Acts 5.30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom he slew and hanged on a tree. Acts 5.30. And we are witness of all things where he, Jesus, did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. He was hung on a tree. What then is the cross according to the earliest Christian fathers? I'm just going to show you a couple. The tree of life is the cross, which gave a radiant life to our race. The tree of life is the cross. Where is the tree of life today? Well, it's found in the Zohar. The children of Israel in the future will taste from the tree of life, which is the book of Zohar. This is what the whole world is looking for. This is what they've always been looking for. I'll go on. Uh, Stan has something. <laughs> I got something to say about this. Stan has something to say. By the way, on. let me just say, the reason I was showing so much of that video, you cannot find it on YouTube anymore. So, With good reason. So I, you know, I wanted you to be able to see this for yourself. Um, you do finally did something right, pulled something they should pull. Yes. Okay, so Leslie and I have, uh, I guess we have wonderful ancient wisdom because we've been several times to Golgotha and we have a picture of it. It's been destroyed now, probably some Muslim. But uh, anyway, it's, it's part of describing where Jesus was actually crucified. We've been to the tomb. We've been to, within stone's throwing distance, according to Ron Wyatt, of the uh, Ark of the Covenant. And the Golgotha place looks like a skull. We have a picture. We showed it before. Yeah, many times. I showed it last week. Yes. Okay. And it's, it's simply <coughs> saying that this was where Jesus was crucified. And all of this other garbage he's coming up with I mean, he's not quoting the New Testament at all, any place. So this is exactly the kind of garbage that we need to stay away from. That's the point. Yes. And I'm glad we have a prophet here that will point it out. It makes me want to stick my finger to my throat and throw up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's paganism. It just makes you angry, doesn't it? it like really, we're supposed it, it to listen you... to a bunch of people that haven't found Jesus yet. Right. So it gets you where you're just, to me, I'm angry more about God's people being deceived than anything and how they can be caught up into this because it sounds so much more powerful, the words they use and things we don't understand. And so, you know, we, we want, we, or some people are drawn to that and I, I don't want you to be drawn to that. So this came from the Christian mystics. Imagine a Christian teacher known for his teaching and brilliance who taught that souls preexisted before early life, that reincarnation was a fact, that at the end of time all things would be restored to God, including, it would seem, the figure of Satan himself. A person who spoke of various levels of existence, both visible and indivisible, excuse me, invisible, not indivisible, invisible, 
Someone who wrote passionately that following the bare letter of holy text was a mistake and that the entire story of God planting a garden in Eden was silly. Obviously, obviously, this origin guy was not a founder of Christian church. Okay? So this is a summary of some of the things that they were, that they were saying. The mystery is to be revealed because it's the end of the world. Not, okay, this is coming out because it is the end of the world, and so we're trying to say to God's people, don't follow the lies out there, right? Don't follow mysticism, because you'll not find yourself to have eternal life if you choose to go that route. Uh, it's the falsehood of Christianity, is what he's saying. Golgotha going to bring peace to Christians, Israelites, Buddhists, Muslims, and even atheists. So their Golgotha is from the mystical books of, of um, the Kabbalist. So that's where the pagan Jews all came in. Uh, Skull is Adam's, but not the Adam of the Bible, but Adam Kadmon from the Zohar. He's got a big head. Uh, Golgotha's earth center is what they say. Adam, Eve, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob buried in Hebron at the tomb of the patriarch, patriarchs. What in the world? The wider people, and the people go, wow, that's so awesome. It's like I said, you know, if you go to Jerusalem, you go to traditional sites, you go to places that are just to get your money to go in, and there's um, some true sites and things like that. But just like if you go to this one church, this Catholic church, and say, Jesus was born right here. Not so. It's just a way to get your money. Or to the upper room. That was not really, really where the upper room was. Can you have an experience there? I guess. But it's, it's not where the actual place was. Things like that. Um, Adam, Eve, uh, okay, so I said that. So anyway, this is just a heap of lies. Golgotha never was a physical place. Yes, it's a physical place. It saddens me to find out that it's not there anymore. Uh, purpose is to ignite the answers to the prayers of Christians by coming to the Zohar Tree of Life. It is garbage. The INRI, the INRI, this is the Tree of Life, the cross in the Kabbalah is what they're saying. Uh, the children of Israel in the future will taste from the Tree of Life, which is the book of the Zohar. And the Zohar, they say, is the path to eternal life. It's blasphemy. What's our way to have eternal life? Jesus, except Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. He died for you. He died for me. That's our path to have eternal life. Not this other garbage. And the stand says, I want to just throw up. That says, well, I already had this ready, ready for you right here. <laughs> Allow me to convey my emotions visually. <laughs> Anybody else on the same page here? All right, so why is Jonathan Kahn quoting from the Zohar? He should be speaking against such lies and hypocrisy. This is nothing but New Age mysticism that the Word of God warns us about. That's what I'm saying. If he's going to bring in what the teachings are in the Zohar, he should be saying against it, not incorporating it, not trying to get you to be um, enhanced by it and engaged in it. Romans 11, 11 says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should have fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. And then for Romans 11, 25 and 26, for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel to the fullness of Gentiles to become in. In other words, the Jews will come, they will have their, their Messiah. They will recognize the Messiah when he comes back, right? Some of them. Many still have the blinders on. Many are studying um, the, the mysticism. 
They're following the mysticism. So don't just think every Jew you see when you go to Israel is a true Jew. Because they're not. Most of them are not. Most of them are following after the Zohar and all, the, all these other mystical teachings. Many of them, most of them are not even at the bloodline of Abraham. Can you want to have your microphone on so we can... Okay, as I've been teaching on Prophecy Club here for a while now, most of them, if not many, uh, many or most of them, are not even children of Abraham. They're not, they're not children of, of, of Israel. They are Moloch and Baal worshippers. They are the Khazarian. They're an entirely different bloodline that calls themselves Jews, just like <laughs> Revelation 1 says. They say they're the, uh, the, uh, of Jews, but they're not, but they do lie. They are the synagogue of Satan. Yeah, and I have a scripture here just a second to show Yes, that. go ahead. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, they shall come out of Zion to the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. That's in Colossians 2.8. Make sure that you are checking things out. You know, you might not like this teaching, but I encourage you to go and do your own study. Go do, um, uh, you find things, you know. I don't know that God will reveal to you like he does me, because it just like keeps falling in my lap. Because he wants me to bring this to you. That's why. Uh, you may want to do this. <laughs> Some people, have, you know, this one lady, she gathered all of her books from Jonathan Kahn, and she burned them. Now, I have, I'm getting into this for just a little bit. And then next week, I'll, or no, two weeks from um, today, because next week I, I will be out of town. But um, I, I want to finish this up next week, or excuse me, two weeks. So the Masonic hand symbol, this is what this is. This Vulcan hand symbol, it's a Jewish hand symbol blessing by the Kohanim. Kohen, I can't, I can't even, it's like I try to, I even listen to it on the, you know how you put that word in and I still have a hard time. Kohanim. 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 Um, so we're going, to, we're going to talk about this. Is this really a, a blessing? But it's a Vulcan hand symbol. Now, what they do is, um, the meaning is, is a member of the priestly class, the Kohanim, uh, which is a priestly class, having certain rights and duties in the synagogue. There's about 120,000 people that will flock to receive the blessing from the high priest. I don't know how many times a year they do this in Israel. Does anybody know? At least once I know. Uh, this is a Masonic hand sign. This gesture accompanies the Burkat Konin, which is a male Jew belonging to the perennial line, claiming descent from Aaron. The Konanim uh, served as priests in ancient Judaism, and present-day Konanim are accorded special status in the Orthodox Judaism or priestly blessing in ancient Jewish custom. The blessing is administered by members of the Kohanim, or priestly class, usually on holidays. And then the hands are spread to the two V shapes in the form of the Hebrew letter Shun, and it symbolizes the light of the Shekinah, or the presence of God. That's their description. So, since I already have talked about the Shekinah, you ought to know what I feel about this. Okay, so we're going to find out a little bit more. Now, in Matthew 23, 1 through 11... Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, 
But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men, to, they make broad their phylacteries, phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. And love the uppermost rooms of feast and the chief seats in the synagogues. And greetings in the markets and to be called a man, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be ye not called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye brethren. And, <laughs> excuse me. And call no man your father <coughs> upon the earth. For one is your father, which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your masters, even Christ. But that he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, which is Jesus. In Revelations 2, 9, it says, I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And that's where, if you follow the mysticism of the cabal and some of these Hebrew roots teachers, you could be into mysticism and you're actually, God is going to say, you are not his, but you're after actually from the synagogue of Satan. That ought to wake you up right now. Lord, I pray if anybody, right now as they're moving in their seat at home even, and like they're uncomfortable because it's speaking truth to them, I ask right now in the name of Jesus, as that repentance comes upon them, they'll just cry out to you and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for being following the wrong God. I ask now that you forgive me. I come back to you. I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Right now, the true Jesus Christ, the true one, the one who died on the cross for me, saved me from my sins. I call upon you, the Lord, right now in Jesus' name. Forgive me. And then you begin to walk out those steps of righteousness and turn away from your wicked past. Uh, there's this, uh, some of the pagan Jews, pictures of the pagan Jews that they're doing the symbol. Um, okay, we're, this is a video that you're going to just read. You'll need to read it. Uh, there's no words spoken, but I want you to pay attention. There's nothing wrong with the scripture. I'm not saying that.
So um, this actual hand symbol that they do is calling on a mystical God, a cosmic God, a cosmic Jesus, so to speak, calling on the Shekinah. So it comes, again, from pagan rabbis. It comes from those that are following after these mystical teachings in the mystical books of the Kabbalah and the Kabbalah. Um, so, again, be careful. Don't think that if someone's praying that symbol over you that you're receiving a blessing because you're not. It's actually a curse. Um, this blessing from Numbers chapter 6 was uh, came from, which is fine. The scriptures are fine. I don't, you know, you can, you can stand up here and quote a scripture blessing someone. Not a problem. I encourage that. Speak the word over somebody, right? Okay. Um, the symbolic interpretation in the Zohar blessing itself, Shekinah and the Malkut, bringing down divine grace, was actually a curse. It's actually a curse. They're not blessing them at all. Uh, the letter for Shin is the Shaddai, or the Kabbalah, the mystical heritage of the children of Abraham. So I'm going to go, I have, um, I'll wait till next week to finish up on this. Because um, you're going to see more of where it came from. I mean, we'll talk about uh, Nimoy, the Star Trek guy. Um, but it all came from Kabbalism. Okay. Anyway, so if you enjoy this, if you've learned something, I encourage you to share this with all of your friends. Uh, get the truth out there. You know, I, I, want, I want God's people to be free and not to have, you know, a lie that is stuck to them. They, we need to repent from things and, and get, get away from mysticism. It's very enticing. Uh, even the Shekinah, it's very enticing to be, want to be around that presence. Or even the kundalini. It's very enticing for that power. But it's not of God. And it's the, 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 the end result is not good. The end result is that you'll deny the true Jesus Christ. So, and then you'll, you'll start thinking yourself as a God, thinking yourself something which you're not. So if you like this, share it, subscribe. You can donate, donate by giving the link below. You can see there. And then also contact at spiritofprophecychurch.com. Let me know that you're enjoying this teaching, that you're getting some from it. But more importantly, I want to know those of you that have come out of this mysticism, that have come out of the, the mysticism and the Hebrew roots and Messianic Jew movement, so that you can truly say, you know, I repent and I, I want to hear from you. Because, you know, there'll be a mourning that'll take place because you have to set aside things. You have to stop doing things that you've been used to doing. But the truth is better. The truth is better. Don't believe the lie of Satan. Because this is all about Luciferian worship. Bottom line. It's going to be worshiping Satan. That's where, they're, that's where they're taking you. And then he'll give you the lie that you're God. Well, God bless. See you next week. Spirit of Prophecy Church, so glad to have you here this morning, all those that are watching online and those of that here, so happy Father's Day, happy Daddy's Day, since we're not supposed to say Father, but happy Daddy's Day to everybody, so if you're a dad, would you please stand so we can give you some appreciation in here, 
Just give him some appreciation. I don't have a hand, so hallelujah. Thank you for our dads. For those of you that are a spiritual dad, you can stand up too because you're a spiritual dad if you've ever ministered to someone else. I think that it's important, just as important if you have a biological child or not because, or, or even an you know, adopted child. You have adopted many in the spirit realm, right? Or you talk to some of them and minister to them. So that's great. So I have a gift for you. Um, if we can get, Esther, can you help? Um, there's a gift back for all of you men. So you can be seated. She'll come around and you can have your color of red, silver, or green. There's another basket up here too. Esther, there's another basket up here. Hallelujah. Um, Bible study is canceled for the summer month. Uh, we'll be re returning back in September probably after our prayer meeting. For those of you that don't know, we're going to have um, a solemn assembly in September again, September 6th, 7th, and 8th uh, here at, in Plano at the Hyatt. So you can go online to Prophecy Club and you can sign up for that. And also for the church here, you're going to want to sign up so because we'll have a, you know, only so many people we can let in. So we're, it's going to be full. We know this going to be full, but we want to have you sign up also um oh and then here i'll trade with you for a second this uh book here this is stan's revelation notebook it's all of his it's the whole, all the book of revelation that he wrote down with his notes in it that he has studied for how many years now 40 years, well, 40 years 40 but four years on this uh so we want to make this available it's for a gift of 75 you can get it through the prophecy club for those of you that were on the watchman uh trumpet for the the conference that we had last weekend was last weekend right um then you can if you since you weren't here you didn't weren't, didn't have the opportunity to get one so if you'd like to one just call the office um and ask for them for stan's book it's for a donation of 75 if you'd like so i'm gonna turn it over here for carolyn for just a moment trade with y'all this is the church roster I have here on this clipboard, and I'm going to pass it around. If you could please um, look and verify your information is correct. We've had a few phone numbers were switched, like husbands was a wife, so wife's was a husband. So um, anyway, and if do you want them to mark on there if they want to be in the inter intercessory prayer? Well, um, if you we want your email address because we'll automatically get you on the inter intercessory prayer list. But also, that's how we communicate with you right now, too. Instead of me sending out text, I don't like to do that as much anymore. It'll just be by email. And so that's through this same contact. Okay, so we're going to start here and pass this around. All right. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Here, I'll let you take this, too, Carolyn. Again, um, happy Daddy's Day to all of you. All right, let's stand. We're, yes, yes. Come on up here. Use your microphone. Can you go around? Oh, that's right. Can you come up here, Lou? The way? Can you hand me your Good morning. 
So we were supposed to be going to Cambodia in July, and because of COVID, they've got it locked down. We cannot get visas, so we're not going, but we are doing Zoom uh, meetings, and we are getting people baptized with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and casting out demons, and preaching the gospel to the Cambodian people. And that, uh, the people that are online with us, that is growing, and there's people coming on. Uh, monthly new people that want the word of God deliverance and tongues and whatnot so that's expanding and moving uh, the Cambodia is a third world country and so they are poor and I sent I had over the years collected eight cell phones that were in a <laughs> file cabinet in my house and uh, they tell me that there's students over there that they need phones for school and stuff so I gave those to Albert and he is going to get them into the Cambodia um, people so what I wanted to ask if there's people here or online that have old cell phones that are thrown in a file or a drawer you're not using um, Leslie will give you an address and you can get them to us. I'll get them to my Cambodia friend in Richardson, and they'll be sent into Cambodia for the young students so they can go to school and communicate. And also old used laptops. I don't have any of those myself, but I know in America we have a lot of, you know, some people buy a laptop every two, three years. So if you got an old one in the drawer that's collecting dust, she'll give you an address. You get it to us. Don't send. Don't send me your junk stuff. If it's working, get a power cord with it and we'll get it to them. So something that it can be old, but something that is not broken because we're not going right. to repair any of this stuff. So if it's junk, throw it in the garbage. But if it works <laughs> with a cord, a power cord, get it to us if you got extras and we'll get it to uh, Cambodia. Thank you in advance. All right. That's just a way for you to do your part. Uh, here's the address. Spirit of Prophecy Church. 1717 Angel Parkway, Box 222, Allen, Texas, 75002. That's Spirit of Prophecy Church, 1717 Angel Parkway, Allen, Texas. It's also Box 222, Allen, Texas, 75002. And we'll make that available for those to know where to send your phones, old phones, and uh, also uh, iPads and laptops and things like that. Make sure you send only those that will really work. Or I'll just throw it away, and I don't really want to take the time to have to throw it away. All right. I right, stand. Let's get our service going this morning. Thank you, Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we do come boldly before your throne of grace and mercy, and we thank you so much that we live in a country that we could truly worship you, our God, our Savior, our Christ, the one true King, the one true God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place, the Trinity. We worship the Trinity as one. Lord, I thank you that we'll be guided and directed by you. Holy Spirit, have your way in here. Have your way. Let us do things decently and in order. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, you would anoint the praise and worship. You'd anoint the sound system. You'd anoint the service and the, the message that's to come forth. And help us to just set aside every heavy weight, but to look to you directly. Help us to set aside those things that are on our minds, that are not 
uh, about worshiping you. And right now, as we go into praise and worship here soon, we want to truly praise you and then worship you. For you deserve it, Lord. You deserve what you've done for us. We can just do that our part back. Lord, for those that could not be with us today, we ask that you touch them where they are. If any are sick, Lord, we ask that you send forth your ministering spirits, your angels of the Lord. We ask that you touch them, Lord, that you'd heal them directly. We thank you, Lord. There's no distance in the spirit realm when you go to touch them. We thank you, Lord. Heal their body right now, their mind. Heal their mind. Calm their soul down, Lord, if any are troubled in their mind. In the name of Jesus. I just I speak to... I, I see a woman on her bed that's... Um, Watching dark hair kind of beginning to grayish, and you're um, you're you're just praying for your family, and um, the Lord wants to touch you though right now, He wants to just touch you right where you are, just let you just feel His presence, just feel His comfort. Holy Spirit will comfort you, and where you're distraught because of just finances and things that. Don't seem to go your way. You thought it would be selfish if you prayed for yourself. But the Lord says that I know what's in your heart. I know what your thoughts are. I know what your needs are. So I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would just comfort her right now. And Lord, I ask that you give that provision that she needs, has need of. And let her know that, that there's no distance between you and her. She can call upon your name. She can call upon your name. And just as a reminder, get prepared for the day with your armor on. For you're a warrior, you're a fighter, but you're allowing the enemy to come in and cause <clears throat> destruction to your body and your life because you don't have your armor on. Get prepared for the battle every day. You'll see the victory. Now lift up your head, get that smile on your face, and realize you're a child of God. And you can do all things, and there is power in your words. There's power and there's anointing in your words. There's power and there's anointing in your prayer. Your prayers are not being just fallen to the ground. They're making their way past the ceiling. They're making their way past that ceiling right now. In Jesus' name, amen. We may all be seated. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise in here. Hallelujah. So, woman of God, I ask that you just let me know at contact at Leslie, excuse me, Leslie, contact at spiritprophecychurch.com. All right, I'll turn it over to our praise and worship. All right, well, stay standing. It's time to praise our God. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let me hear you. Jesus, are you free? Oh, come on. I know we can get it more excited than that. Are you free? Come on, one more time. Are you free? Yes. Hallelujah. Freedom. In the name of Jesus, we can lift our hands and clap our hands and give him all the glory and all the praise. We are free to shout your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. King of kings and Lord of lords, we worship you. You are worthy to be praised. Come on, let's put our hands together. Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yes, there is. 
the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is peace. There is love. There is joy. Yeah. It is for freedom. It is for freedom you set us free. Yes, it's true, Lord. It is for freedom you set us free. Come on. One, two, three. I'm free. I'm free. Come on, you can have fun with the Lord. I'm free. the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yes, it's true. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is peace. There is peace. Where there's peace, there's love. There is love. Where there's love, there's always joy. There is joy. It is for freedom you set us free. Yes, it is, Lord. It is for freedom you set us free. Come on. One, two, three. I'm free. Come on, shout it out. I'm free. I can't hear you. Come on, sing it. I'm free. I'm free. Yes, it's true, Lord. I'm free.
miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Come on, even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Wave maker,
Lord, there is none like you. Hallelujah. None like you. Um, okay, I guess I just have to go for this. I just had a strange vision. And um, it was like I was taken to the place. So I just wanted to share it with you. And and uh, and then I had Melissa get my phone because I had to make sure I was seeing it right. But anyway, um, what happened is, is that um, I saw Stan. He was like the Pony Express guy. And he was riding as fast as he could on this horse, you know, the hat flopping in the wind and, and just, you know, kind of like Will Robinson, like, danger is coming, danger is coming, danger is coming, right? And it was like, um, danger, Will yeah, danger Will Robinson, danger Will Robinson. <laughs> that the, it was like the, the mail system had stopped, but the word had to get out. And so stands like, you know, I've got this voice, I've got a voice, and others are equipped, ready to do this. And so I saw you just whipping that horse and everything, and then all of a sudden you pulled out the sword. And as you reached over here, all of a sudden I saw, like, Robert, he jumped up on a horse, and so he starts he starts going out and giving the message. And Eric, and then Bill, and there's, like, all around Jonathan. It was like they were just popping up, riding the horses. And then I saw Barbara over here, and she's running as fast as you can, and you put the sword towards her like this and all of a sudden this horse just appears up underneath her and I was like oh my goodness it was like our church here you know Melissa was I mean everybody was just in this they were they were this voice they were like the Pony Express out there uh, because the mail system wasn't working to get the message out in other words like this you know the snail mail type of message I know that's what you feel like sometimes it's like a snail mail message that's getting out there but all of a sudden there was like a um that you were you were like this leader and all of a sudden there was like with that sword in your hand and as you just point to the different ones it would it would just ignite them and they weren't afraid they weren't afraid of what that was going to come out of their mouth they knew there was power in their words they knew there was anointing in their words they knew there was that that they had the word of truth and i saw some of them even looking back in your revelation notebook i mean it was just it was an absolute quick quick vision but it was amazing because people had come to life and I'm speaking just for Spirit of Prophecy Church that are watching now and also that are here now. That just came alive. Came alive. Came alive. You guys became alive. Amen. You weren't just uh, participants just, just listening anymore. You were speaking. You were ministering. You were out there. And you were telling them. And people were hearing. You didn't care whether it was a person that heard or not. It was like you were yelling these words. And they were. it was, it was causing... Um, just uh, the devils just to flee out of people. They were fleeing out of people because you were speaking with the powerful word. You're speaking with truth. And that's what I, I just I sensed for this church is like, Stan, you know, you know, I know that sometimes you think you're a lone ranger out there, but you're not. 
You're not a lone ranger. And it's now time to get up on your horses and get equipped and start speaking it. Amen. Don't wait for the snail mail to get the message out. It's time for you to do your work. It's time for you to do your work. It's time for you to do your work. You've been trained. You've been equipped. You've been given knowledge. You've been given the word. You have it in your hand. You have it in your palm. It's not about just what Pastor Stan says. You have it. You're getting the knowledge. You're getting understanding. You're not afraid anymore. And what's that say? If you're afraid, you just get back on the horse anyway. Get back on it. Right, Bob? You just got back on it. Right? You didn't just start running behind, beside it. You got back on it. Amen. It's time to get on that horse again. And not be afraid. Sorry. It's time to speak it. Speak the truth as you know it. We may say things that, oh my goodness, Lord, I'll forgive me. Please forgive me. Like I said, we stay teachable. But take the tools that you have. There's powerful, powerful people in this place. Powerful people that are watching online. It's up to you now. It's up to you. It's not about just this voice. It's not about just this voice. It was a powerful vision. Powerful vision. We claim it. Holy, how many of you want to get on that horse right now? Let me see your hands. Hallelujah. Don't just rely on someone else. The mail is slow. We can get on that. (laughs) Yeehaw. Gallop on around, right? Amen. We're Texans. Yeehaw. Amen, amen. Texans, we could do this. And those of you that are watching online, you could do this. You can do this. Take it. Take that word. Take that revelation notebook. You've got it. You've got training. You've got it. You've got it online. You've got it. Wow, it's a powerful time of the Lord right now. Amen. Powerful time. And I, I mean, I think physically, a mail system's going to stop somewhere. You're going to be the voice. You're going to be the one that's telling people out there, not just them reading. Not them just thinking it's junk mail. Because you have a truth. You have an anointing on you. You have a calling on you. People will be drawn to you. No more fear. Right, Sunny? No more fear. Right, Lou? No more fear in Jesus' name. Come on, stand up and give the Lord praise in here. Say, I, I will unite. I will unite with the, the, with the Lord's guidance. With the Lord's guidance. With the sword in my hand. With the sword in my hand. The sword in my mouth. The sword in my I mouth. I will speak the word. I will speak I the will word. I will speak the truth. I will speak the truth. I will speak the truth to others. I will speak the truth to others. <laughs> I will see demons flee. I will see demons flee. I'll see people healed. See people healed. I'll see people understand the days and times we live in. I will see people understand the days and times we live in. I'll help them to have understanding. I will help to have understanding. I ask, Lord, I ask, Lord that you continue, that you continue to, give me to give me the revelation knowledge, the revelation knowledge with understanding, the understanding and with power, with power in Jesus' name. In Jesus give the Lord praise in here. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You're united. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeehaw. You may be seen. Woo. It was a powerful, it was a strange, it was powerful, but it was really awesome. God is uniting us. He's uniting us. 
Do you feel a difference in here today? Do you feel, do some of you, do you feel a difference in here today? I, I don't know if it's because you taught the watchman. I don't know, but there's like a difference in here today. It's like we really have got it. You're really getting it. Not everybody I think it really attended, made a difference. It's not, it, it's not that maybe some of you didn't attend it, but it's like a revelation is just in here. Amen. Do you feel it? Amen. Yes. It's really, it's, yes. let's don't lose it. Amen. Okay. Ah. Okay. Praise God. Hi. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you for this man of God. I thank you for the message that you've laid on his heart to bring. I thank you, Lord, that, that, um, You'll give him examples and remind him of things and, and how, just how wonderful you are. And I see that he's talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Lord, we love that message, but help him to see more in a deeper, deeper level. And then help us also to grasp it. And let us not walk out the same. Let us be united force, Lord. Let us walk out united and understanding and keep the truth of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Before I get started with the prayer, a little bit of a personal note. In my 40 years of prophecy, 67 years on the face of this earth, I think people understand when God has put something in your heart and it's like a molten liquid burning message in your heart. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 okay. And it just seemed like it could never get out. But this past weekend at the School of the Watchman, where I had some 18 hours to pour out my heart, to teach through the book of Revelation, answer questions, it was, I told Leslie, I said, I think it was the greatest weekend of my life. It was the greatest, the best talk that I'd ever given. And afterwards, I felt a peace come into my heart like I'd never felt. It's just like, boom, just like, it just, um, and I just, I kept thanking the Lord. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, because even if no one else hears it, but I now know that there are some that hear it, right? Okay, there's some that hear it. I know now. You've been caught. Even if no one else listens, thank you, Lord, so much for showing me. I mean, seven seals play over seven years, seven trumpets play over seven months, seven vows play over seven days. To me, that is so monumental and so earth-shaking to know that. But that was only one of many revelations he's shown me. And I was able to bring that to the people. And even if my heart were to stop tomorrow, it's now on video. And so now all those that care to, that the Lord will send to, can hear and see and know what God has, has shown this generation, this last generation, this harvest generation, to know. Now, I want to say thank you. Thank you, the Lord. Thank you for all of you folks that came and listened because it was my delight. It was my delight. I'm just, I'm, I'm glad that you could share with me regurgitating all of that wonderful information, but it was my delight to do it. Um, there was something else. 
What else was it? I think that what America is about to go through is like nothing we've ever been through. And I'm not going to talk prophecy this morning. I'm not going to talk about modern events. Instead, this morning, we're going to talk about the basics. But I'm going to show you some things this morning that I dare say that probably you haven't seen before. So, let me start with praise and worship. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Because you were slain, has redeemed us to God. By thy blood, out of every kindred tongue, people, and nation, has made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and riches, wisdom and strength, honor, glory, and blessing. Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name, for thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. When we see you split the skies and the heavens roll back like a scroll. We see you in your great and marvelous power. When we see what you are, what you can do, and all of your power, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. We'll cast our crowns at your feet, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And Lord, we know that wisdom and might are Yours. You change the times and seasons. You removeth kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things. You knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with you. And Lord, now as we go into one of the most important things in the Bible, we ask you to give us that knowledge, that skill, that understanding, so that we could walk these last days in your will in your spirit, pleasing you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And I'm going to say that understanding Bible prophecy is not number one. I think the churches are making a grave mistake by not teaching it at all. But I think it's not number one. What I'm talking about here this morning is number one. Just like I said, Worthy is the Lamb, because He was slain, has redeemed us to God by Thy blood, out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. That is probably the number one central, overall best explanation of the most important thing on earth, and that is the blood of Christ, the finished work on the cross. Amen. Now, what I'm going to show you this morning, I've heard a lot of sermons on it. Probably you have too. I don't think you're going to see anything new, but I think if, if I can get to where the Lord has laid in my heart to go, you'll understand it in, in a different way, in a way that I think Jesus wants us to understand it. Because if we're going to be prophecy teachers, if we're going to be carrying that sword, and that's what the sword is, it's the sword of the Lord. If we're going to be carrying that, if we're going to be walking in power, sevenfold miracles, we're going to be walking in these days, we have to be walking like Jesus walked, right? Yes, right? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I'm going to start with something I think, again, it's going to be a, a different way to look at it. 
What is this? Yeah, yin and yang. But what does it symbolize? It's on the Korean flag. The Korean lady says, what does it symbolize? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Hers is just red, white, and blue. But what does that symbol symbolize? Correct. Okay, so let's look at it. So we see the white. The white represents good. And then we see the black, which represents evil. Okay? So we see the black dot in the middle of the white, which says what? In every good, there's a little evil. And then we see the black down here, the white dot, which says, in evil, there's also good. Is that statement true? Absolutely not. That is blasphemy. That is a direct attack against the finished work on the cross. Because in him there was no sin. He had to be perfect for the devil to have to get his hands off of us. So that... Is a lie. But in that, it's important for Christians to understand what Jesus wants us to walk in. Amen. So, if the white represents clean, without spot or wrinkle, unblameable, beyond reproach, that's what we're supposed to walk in. And if black, yes, that's black, and you'd have to look very close to see it, but it's actually in the center of the words evil, but I intended it that way. Evil, without love, miserable, filled with hate. Do we see some people in Portland and Seattle and other places around there? Just like that? Yeah, right. Dallas, right? Like that? Okay, so if we're supposed to be clean, unblameable, without spot or wrinkle, they are evil to the core. Now, here's the problem. We Christians can't understand what kind of evil that is. We can't understand. We can't understand someone that thinks it's good to kill people, to eat their flesh. It's right out of the Bible. Drink their blood, to have sex with children, sex with whoever, whatever, wherever, orgies. The more people that can kill, the more torture, the more pain, the more affliction, the more torment that they can bring to more people, the more their God likes it. That's Moloch and Baal. So if you look at purity, if you look at purity without spot, without wrinkle, holy, without sin, or total evil, that's what the Moloch and the Baal worshippers believe in. Which do we choose? Do we choose to walk like this? Do we choose to walk like this? You know, we have the choice, correct? Okay, but now what is reality? The reality is something more like that. Now, if you look really close, it says, sometimes we do wrong, sometimes we do right. The truth is, where we live, you've heard it said, well, on Sunday morning we walk in, we're going to church. But then the other six days, we like live like the devil. And I think that we've all been in that position. But right now, what we're trying to do is to eschew evil. And we're trying to walk toward the cross. That's not easy. Because the devil, like a roaring lion, walketh about 
seeking whom he may devour. He wants to come into your life to kill, to steal, to destroy, to attack any place and every place and all the time he possibly can. But our victory is not here. Our victory is here. Now, that's the hard part to remember, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So what is this? This is a lie. This is blasphemy. Because there is total holiness, and there is total evil. His name is Lucifer. Start with this scripture. Now, this you're going to like. Ephesians 5.27, He might present himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Yay! We like that. Question is, how do we get there? And the angel said unto me, What are these arrayed in white robes whence came they? I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. He said, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. How to get there? They got there by the blood of the Lamb. Not that they were perfect, but they rode the coattails of Jesus into holiness, right? Into heaven. Now let's look at this a little closer. You might, and by the way, uh, this is, I have, a, I have a bit of a confession to make. And I've been really wrestling whether I want to do, to tell you this or not. See, when, Early in my life, someplace in there, it's like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, uh, I want you to be a preacher. And I said, mm-mm, yeah. I wouldn't be, be no preacher. I mean, I thought God was a bad paycheck. I'm just being honest. Right? I thought God it was, I saw how the other pastors struggled. And, you know, bad paycheck. Mm-mm, not me. I never wanted to be a preacher. I never wanted to preach Jesus. And then, of course, Prophecy Club came along, and one thing led to another, and it was like I just kept walking down a path, and all of a sudden, I discovered that I had become in the ministry, but I had never really become a preacher in my heart. And it was only like a month or so ago, it's like the Holy Spirit came back to my prayer closet and reminded me. He wants me, yeah, he wants me to be a preacher. I didn't say prophecy teacher, because I already was. But a preacher. Now, what does that mean? It means a preacher of Jesus. A preacher and teacher of him and his ways and his laws and his teachings. To walk like him. Oh, you mean I got to walk like him? I, I dare not look at Leslie when I say that, because she, she knows all of the flesh of Stan. Y'all might think I'm perfect, but if you ever think that, she will correct you real quickly. She will, she'll, no, no, he's not. But I've been getting asking. No, I've been, been begging in my prayer closet. All right, Lord, I'm finally ready. This might not make very much sense to you, but this is a very big statement, very big step for me. I want to be a preacher. I want to preach Jesus. I'm asking it to make me a preacher, preaching Jesus. So this is part of it. If I can make this, if he can make, <laughs> if he can make this interesting and help us to see and understand, because 
The Word is not ink on paper. I've said this a lot of times. Understanding the Word is by the Spirit, right? So if I can get that across. Okay, so now back to the point here. So he's supposed to be, or we are supposed to be presenting ourselves to him as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that we should be holy without blemish. Now that sounds all pretty good, but did you read the verse before that? Well, here's the verse before it. Husbands, love your wives. Okay, let's, let's, let's back up. This sounds pretty good, but... <laughs> they have their turn coming. <laughs> right now we're concentrating on this. It, it's saying if we want to be like Jesus, look, if we want to teach Bible prophecy, guess where it starts? Amen. This is what he keeps telling me. Stan, you got to walk like me. If you want to teach my stuff, you got to walk like me. That's not so easy. Can you make it a little easier? Anybody else appreciate what I'm saying here? Can you make it a little easier? Not all the time, Lord. Yes. I'm sorry, Justin. The man in the wheelchair says all the time. And I think he's right. Even when you're angry? Can somebody put up a little wall right there? I don't have to look at that. But see, the thing of it is, is the Lord knows everything even more than Leslie knows. If I'm, not try if I'm trying to please Leslie, I can deceive her. I can keep things from her. Y'all didn't hear that, but she went, mm-mm. <laughs> But if our goal is to walk holy before him, and he already knows everything we're doing, we can't hide anything from him. Amen. Nothing. Yep. I'd like to give you a specific example on that. I'd like to give you a specific example. I said I'd like to give you a specific example. But since it happens all the time, I can't think of a specific example. But so many times I'm thinking of something and the anointing touches me. Or I'm thinking of something that's wrong. I'm not saying sinful. I'm saying that in a terms of a no or a yes, it's a no. And I get a big yawn. I mean, I know, I know that everything in our heart, everything in our mind, it's like, hey man, I made it. And I'm listening. I made those ears. I made that heart. I made those eyes. And I'm here. Hear no evil. See no evil. Speak no evil. He got it all. He's here. Okay. So, husbands, love your wives. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. All of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Women, this was your clue. This is. Okay. Let's try it again. It's back. I'm on Okay. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. 
Does it have to be? Yes. Does it have to be? I mean, like that much? Yes. See, what I've been wrestling with, yeah, well, I, I like teaching this prophecy stuff, but do I have to walk like Jesus all the time? See, I'm not talking to me because I already had these sermons in my prayer closet. Guess who's getting to talking to this morning? <laughs> Soon he goes, Lou. <laughs> Her husband's, Lou, you're talking to Lou. <laughs> I'm reminding me. But the truth is, come on, fill in the blank. We all need it. If we want to do the big things out there, just like what the prophet just said God is about to use us to do, guess where it starts? It starts with our walk every day. Yeah. I mean, when I started the prayer closet, oh, probably first or second week in the prayer closet, I'm praying along. Man, I hear it real clear. Stan, I want to talk to you about something. Okay, Lord, what do you want to talk to me about? I want to talk to you about you. You want to talk to me about me? Yeah. What do you want to talk to me about? I want to talk to you about how you're talking to people. Me? Well, guess what? That was the start of a long change. But those I love, I chasten. If you're not getting corrected by the Lord, you should be very, very concerned. Are all of you getting correction? If you didn't raise your hand, if you didn't pop up like a spring, then you're in trouble. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Washing of water by the word, what do you mean? See, when we were getting the word in us, as that word comes in, it starts to say, Stan, the way you're talking to some of the people on the phone. Yeah, but I don't know those people at Dallas Morning News that still keep calling, trying to get me to sign up for Dallas Morning News. And he says, I do. Well, but I don't have to be. They're just trying to sell me the Dallas Morning News. I don't have to, I don't have to be nice to them, do I? This is good preaching, by the way. Because what we're supposed to be doing is... <laughs> because the heart is continually evil. Who can know it? Amen. God does. Okay. So, that he might present himself a glorious church. Yeah, we like that. Not only spot or wrinkle, any such things should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. That means we treat our wives better. I've found the simple, easy way to get along with my wife is just give her whatever she wants, do whatever she wants to do. She says, I need you to go get that roll out of the front seat of my car and put it in your car and take it on up there. So... I did. It was a roll of paper. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth, nourisheth it and cherisheth it. That's hard to say, cherisheth it. 
even as the Lord of the church. For we are members of his body, his flesh, his bones. For this cause shall man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife seeth that she reverence her husband. What's that last part? All the women go. I told you there was something for the women coming. So let's talk about that. <clears throat> Reverence your husband. They obviously got the wrong. This is where King James made a mistake, right? The women are squirming now. <laughs> Reverence your husband. You know, Leslie and I discovered that I'm the boss of the family. Now that doesn't mean that I get to do anything and everything I want to do. But that, that does mean that I'm responsible in our home for what goes on. And... I've heard the Lord several times say, she's your wife. <laughs> you know, I'd say, but, 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 she's your wife. He holds the man responsible. That's what it's saying. Reverence your husband. Why? Because he's held responsible. If your marriage runs off track and the train crashes, men... Thank you. I knew the ladies would fill in that blank. It's our fault. We are the ones that are supposed to keep her holy. We are the ones that are supposed to treat her right. That means when we take her on the first date, we are not trying to get in her britches the first night. We're trying to show her an example of holiness. Because there's going to be a time down the road when something might come up. And it might look real bad. Maybe she walks in it. Maybe it looks real bad. But we need her to know in her heart, not going to happen. She needs to have confidence. I'm not going to do that. No matter, no matter, no matter what the situation. Oh. That kind of reverence for a husband? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Maybe I'm not supposed to say that. God didn't make me the boss of my family because I'm the best. She got the better brain. I mean, oh my goodness. She can remember things. You know me, I'm, I go in to take my pills. I'm supposed to take every 12 hours now since I've had my thing. And if I get interrupted on the way... If my phone doesn't start dinging at 9 o'clock to remind me, I'll forget. Because, you know, men, we don't have a brain. Our brain was given to our wives. Right? And so, Lord, you expect me to be reverence when I don't have a brain? I'm saying that there's, there's a, a place of, of safety, and Leslie's better at talking about that than me. 
There's a place of safety that we should be able to create for our wives where they feel good, where they feel good about us, good about the marriage, good about the situation, good about finances. Sometimes it just has to be our decision. Doesn't mean we're better. I've learned that if we're driving down the road, and <laughs> okay, you asked that incidents would come up here as well. So Leslie and I are going over <clears throat> to visit the grandchildren because the grandchildren got new beds and the grandchildren want us to come see their new beds. So we were in a different place and we're having to navigate these Dallas. So anyway, she's got the cell phone. Okay, so we come up here and I said, do I go straight or right? She says, straight. She said, no, no, right, right. Well, I'm now halfway through the intersection, so I have to do one of those, nine, I mean, a sharp one. So then I'm, she's laughing because why? So now I, I'm going this direction. And I said, uh, now, now where do we go? She says, well, up here you turn right. No, 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 left, left. So I'm already in the lane. So we had to do some quick lane changes. <clears throat> But the wife is supposed to reverence her husband. It doesn't mean he's better. It's just that the decision falls on his shoulders. It's a simple way to say that. And if things don't go right in that marriage, it's his fault. I remember there was one night in my prayer closet, and I said, now, Lord, I've been waiting years for this moment. Finally, finally, Leslie's wrong on this one. I know she's wrong. You know she's wrong. On this one, she's wrong. She finally made a mistake. 38 years, it's about time she made one. Finally, she made one. So now what do I do? He said, you apologized. <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> I didn't hear that. Let me try it. So what do I do? He said, you apologize. I remember when Sean first got married, he was probably married two or three months, and he called up, Dad, I learned something today. When you're newly married, you have to learn to apologize when you don't think you're wrong. Well, that's just part of being a man, I thought. Ladies like this preaching. Guys are going. Guys are going, I'm not coming back again. I'm going to skip that. Okay, so now let's finally go to Matthew chapter 5. And I dare say we're going to see some things in here by the Spirit that we haven't seen before. So Jesus, seeing the multitudes, went up into a mountain. And when he was said, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I'm going to dare say that we misunderstand that. My question is, does that say... If you're poor, you're blessed. Is that saying you're supposed to be poor? Okay, so what does it mean, poor in spirit? <clears throat> Have you ever seen some people, I mean, the crayon just ain't that sharp? Okay. You know, the, I've heard it said, well, you know, the lights are on, the elevator door's at the top, but the doors won't open. You know, not all of us, have all of the skills that we wish we had. I wish I had a better memory. I wish I could, you know, a lot of things better. But what it's saying is, is 
God has given every one of us blessings, skills, abilities. He's also given us holes and lacks and plenty of bags of mistakes. Right? Okay. He's saying, <clears throat> blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of God. He's saying, blessed are the people that are having a hard time in life. Oh, well, that's me. <laughs> blessed are those having a hard time in life because I'm going to take care of you. So when we're down, when we're depressed, when we're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to make it, I don't know how to pay the bills, I don't know how to do this, you know, <sighs> the health is falling apart. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Okay, he's saying things in life sometimes just don't work. Yeah. Would you meet me a second? I got Okay, blessed are they that mourn, for they should be comforted. Now, is that saying everybody ought to be walking around crying all the time? No. He's saying he's for the underdog. He's saying he is for us when we are down or depressed or our life has fallen apart. He wants us to know he's going to comfort us. There's going to come a time... When God will wipe away all tears from wrath, there should be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, that there should be no more pain. But the former things are passed away. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Okay, what's the meek? The shytite, the meek. What's it saying? <clears throat> just, just because... You're not maybe a big mouth, or maybe you don't have a big brain, or maybe you're not the best in algebra. He's saying he's still going to bless you. Because he is for the underdog. He is for the person. That's really what he's saying here. Why is he saying that? Because the devil's attitude is he, he's the difference between the sheep and the goat. The goat attacks. The, the goat is the one that stabs the other person in the back, climbing up the ladder to the top. To them, winning is everything, like the Democrats. Huh? To us, if we didn't win the election fairly, we don't want it. But to them, huh, we'll cheat all day long. To them, everything is winning. So he's saying, blessed are the meek. In other words, even though it may not be working for you in life, even though you don't have the right job, you may not, maybe you're not going to appreciate that job. Maybe you don't have all the skills you need for that job. Maybe they don't like you at that job. He wants you to know that in the end, you're going to be blessed. You're going to inherit the earth. He's for the underdog. And I remember when I was <clears throat> getting a lot of stand confession here. I remember when I was, uh, I don't know, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, somewhere in there. I'd walk into Sunday school class at church, and I'd look around saying, bunch of losers in here, man. This guy over here is the one that has kicked me on the back of him, you know. <laughs> Knuckleheads, weirdos, wackos, outcasts. Kind of our one. <laughs> so what am I doing in here? The truth is, a lot of us Christians do have a lot of difficulty. Yes. 
But that's okay. That's what he's saying. Blessed are the make, blessed are the mourn, blessed are those. In other words, he's saying, look, if you're down, if you're out, if it's not working so good, if you don't have the job, you don't have the income, you don't have, if it's not working, it's okay. I understand. It's okay. I'm going to make it up to you. I look at those poor people. I'm talking about the real ones. The homeless, the real ones. The real homeless people, you go up to them and you talk to them, <clears throat> and I have. I remember Tony, <laughs> yeah, this is up in Topeka, the church, came into the church. They said they had to, the, the first thing they had to do was de-louse them. Not just him and her, but their children too. They said that it was not just them, but their whole bed, their house, everything was crawling with lice. They said it was just unbelievable. And so they finally got that all cleaned up, and now let's move down the road about two years. <clears throat> so I went up to Tony. I said, Tony, tell me, why don't you get a job? I thought, I want to just ask one of those homeless people, you know, why don't, why don't you have a job? That's a, that's a reasonable question. Kind of like a question you always wanted to ask somebody, you know. And he started tearing up, and he said, Pastor... He said, that's what I want more than anything. He said, I really want a job. He said, but I did drugs when I was younger. And he says, I just can't hold a job. I can't hold a thought. He says, I, I get just the simplest of job, just flipping burgers at McDonald's. And he said, I make so many mistakes on the orders. I can't keep the job. And normally two days later, they're tying the can to me. I want a job. I want to work. That's when I discovered that <clears throat> a lot of those people out there are not not working because they're lazy, but because they're poor in spirit. Okay, okay, fine, he did take drugs. Nevertheless, and yes, it's his fault. And yes, he's going to live with the consequences. But for us that maybe don't have that problem, it's our opportunity to help them, to accept them, to love on them, not look down our nose at them. Amen. Not lift an eyebrow. Yep. Not walk away and whisper. Yep. Amen. It's quiet in here. Amen. I love you guys. And if I were to look, I probably could find something wrong with every one of you. And if Leslie looks, she could tell you lots and lots and lots of things wrong with me. Truth is, we all have something wrong someplace. Truth is, what we need to do is just learn to accept our brothers and sisters the way they are. Amen. I was teasing someone in here. I said, man, I see you losing your hair. I said, but there's a good side to that. You don't have any gray hair. <laughs> Blessed are the meek that they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. Got to finish the sentence, right? Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they should be filled. It should be that we understand we have problems. We understand they have problems. But here's what I've noticed is that if I concentrate on fixing that guy's problems, then he fixes my problems. If I can overlook that problem, then... God can overlook some of my problems, right?
Anybody need to hear this? I mean, we all heard this before, right? Nothing new. <clears throat> Blessed are the merciful, for they sh shall obtain mercy. See, a lot of the, the world... Oh, my opportunity to talk about this. When it comes to racquetball. Okay, so I've told you many times I'm not very good at racquetball. I'm 67 years old. And I'm playing people that are 45, or in case of my racquetball buddy, Freddie, back there, 20, no, 33? 33? Okay, so 67 versus 33, worlds of difference. This guy never runs out of energy. He's faster than Grease Lightning. He has accuracy. He can hit the ball hard, or he can hit the ball easy. None of that is true of me. So consequently, some of the better racquetball players, they look down on me. They don't want to play with me. Right, Freddie? Well, Freddie wants to play with me because he's a Christian, right? <clears throat> but I see it in racquetball, but we've all seen it in the real world. People look down on us because we're not as good as them. Yeah. Color of our skin. The size of our belt size. There's something, yeah. right? Yeah. There's always something. If you're looking for something to criticize somebody on, guess what? You can always find it. On the other hand, if you're looking for a way to be their friend, if you're looking for Jesus in them, guess what? You can find it. Amen. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you've got to look. But our strength is not in the darkness. Our strength is not making it to the top of the ladder, but it's how you live the game of life as you're climbing. It's not about getting the time. It's not about being number one. It's about being the right one. Amen. Right heart. And understanding that that brother and sister, fine. They have problems, but guess what? Yeah. I probably have more problems than that guy. Amen. And what we need to do is concentrate. Let's try to solve some problems in their lives. Let's try to make them feel loved and kind and, and accepted. Let's... Let's reach out. Let's give them a hug. Amen. And amen. And amen. <laughs> I remember Henry Groover would say that he would be walking the streets and somebody would come to recognize him as a, a minister. And he said he'd had people come up that were homeless, had lice. And he said, you love me? He said, yeah, I love you. So he took out his comb and run it through his lice-filled hair. And he said, comb your hair with this. So Henry took the comb and combed his hair. Yeah, I know, but see, in the natural we think, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> shower, shower, delousing. But Henry said, I love you in Jesus' name. Combed his hair, combed his hair real good, kept combing it. Led the Lord, led the man to the Lord. So would you get lies? And by the way, he never got lies. He never did. Because our God is a God over the lies too. The strength of Christianity is the cross. Because <clears throat> when Jesus, when Jesus crawled on that cross. No one had to hold him down. He laid his hands out there. Put his feet in the right positions. Need some help there, buddy? 
No one took his life. He laid it down. He laid it down for Esther. He laid it down for Shabanda. He laid it down for me. No one took his life. <clears throat> he is saying, Greater love hath no man than this, that he will give his life for his friend. That's what Jesus did. He gave his life for us, his friends. So what he's saying is, if you want to get ahead in life, it's not done by stabbing the other people in the back, talking about them behind your back. It's not by pushing them down, because the Lord gives the increase. If we have the right heart, if we can reach out and be kind and loving and forgiving and accepting of all of those people. Right up here, <clears throat> as you come off of 75, and probably it's happened to you too, these people with these cardboard signs need help. Anything will help. There was a time in my life when I walked by and said, get a job. I don't do that anymore. That was a long time ago, and that was the wrong attitude. Now, <clears throat> I went through a time where I said, I'm going to give to every one of them. And I gave to a bunch of them. Now, I see sometimes the guys have moved into that corner, and it's like, no, this is my job. I hold up the cardboard sign by now. It's getting pretty worn out from standing there week after week after week after week, showing that sign to every car that pulls through that. You know what I'm saying? So I just have to ask my heart, Lord, do I give? Do I help? How much? And then I'll, I'll be led by my heart. That's what I found I have to do. But the strength in Christianity is putting others first. The strength in Christianity is treating other people the way they want to be treated. And, you know, Leslie talks about that. She's a very good example to me. So consequently, she's a long way ahead of me. But that's something I've determined. It's like I've known, but I haven't really pushed it as much as I should. Leslie's going. Really? It's something we all have to do. She's saying, I've been telling him this for a long time. I'm glad to see you finally got it. Well, I didn't get it from her telling me. I got it from the prayer closet. Got it because, and here's the thing. Every one of us has to understand that there's an if between us and the cross. Do we want to get closer to the cross? Then if you... Do we want to teach prophecy? Then if you want to... Do we want to lead people to the Lord? Then if you want to, there's an if. Can you walk like Jesus? Now, you want a challenge? That's a challenge. All the time. I mean, you know, Sunday morning at church with all of my other Christian brothers and sisters is not so bad. But how about Monday? I got to do it then? Yeah, and Friday night too. And husbands, you gotta. It's like you gotta. Oh my wife! I will love my wife. You know, 
Grab your fingers with your, grab your fingers with your hands. Grab your lips with your. <laughs> I love my wife. And husbands, you're supposed to love your wives, and so wives, you're supposed to. That was painful, wasn't it? The point is, that's our strength as a Christian. Not by crushing others, not by pushing them around, not by being mean, not by trying to outsell them as I used to do. The real strength is putting others first. That's what Christians, that's our strength. That's the reason I said when they... They strike you with the, the hand, turn the other cheek. Maybe I'll continue that. That's another thing. <clears throat> Early in my, I don't know, 20 years, over 20 years ago, I said one time, I said, well, we'll pick this up next week where we left off. So I got up on stage <laughs> next week without praying, without asking, it was like, Lord, where are you? And I could hear him say, I'm not there, where are you? It's like, you need to ask me every time, what is the message? So I might pick it up from there, I might not. Depends on what the Lord wants to do. But hopefully, we've all taken a look at ourselves this morning, and we've all remembered that the world's way is not the best way. Jesus is the best way. Amen. Living his way is the right way. So we have love. And when we have a, a guest come in, we need to all love them. We need to love them and accept them and make them feel. I mean, you remember how you felt first time coming into the church? You know, pretty, pretty scary, pretty uncomfortable. So when a new person comes in, we need to make them feel comfortable. Doing to others as you'd have them doing to you. Let me skip past this. As you can see, I've got a lot of things I can cover in this area. <clears throat> uh, we're having a watchman, so we're having a uh, solemn, solemn September assembly coming up. September 6th through 8th, precisely at 7.45 p.m., we're going to be blowing the trumpet. And actually, that's not the correct time here. I think it's 7.42 for the first time and then 7.44 for the second time, but we'll get that correct. Anyway, we're going to ask you to bring your shofar. We're going to fast for 48 hours straight. We're going to have the microphone going 48 straight hours right through the uh, midnight, right through the night, and we're going to be praying for our nation. I'm asking people to gather into one name, Jesus, to do one thing, pray for America. Gather into one name. No denominations, no divisional, none of that. Either we have Jesus in our heart and we come or we don't, period. And we're praying for one thing, America. That's all. And it's for 48 hours, and probably by then, America's going to be really needing the prayer, like we do right now, as a matter of fact. Also, I encourage you to become a ministry member. You do that by going to Spirit of Prophecy Church or Prophecy Club and clicking right here, become a member, and you can sign up to become a member. Also, if this is going to spread around, it's up to you. So we ask you to click like, share, and subscribe. And then down at the bottom, you can give by clicking the link below if you're online. <clears throat> John 3.16 says, For all who have sinned... <laughs> there you go. So you're looking at the words, For all sin. <laughs> for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in Him, if you do not perish, but have everlasting life. For all who have sinned and come short of the glory of God, meaning every one of us needs Jesus. 
There's no one perfect. We were a sinner before we were born. And we get there by understanding it's a free gift. Cannot earn it. It's a free gift, okay? If it's a free gift to getting eternal life, how do we get it? If you confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, then he writes our name in the book of life. Then we should also follow on. We should repent. means turn from our old life, our old ways, our old friends, our old words, our old bad habits, and be baptized. <clears throat> that means holy and complete, completely dunked in water, not sprinkled. And I'll, uh, I'll pray a short prayer. If you pray this prayer for the first time, then I ask you to send me an email at this email. Dear Heavenly Father, Let's all pray it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God, died on the cross, arose three days later. I receive his blood to wash my sins away, to write my name in the book of life, to keep me holy and save me in the day of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, send me an email. And if you're watching online, you can go to the bottom to, to donate. If you're here in the, the, uh, the audience, come forward and we're, you can donate up here. Also, Leslie and I are happy to pray for you. And this morning, I'm, I'm impressed last night in my prayer closet to say this to you. We don't get very many people coming forward for prayer in here. But let me ask you this. <clears throat> if Jesus were to say, in an audible voice, this one day, whatever one thing you pray for, the most important thing, whatever one thing you pray for, if I would give that to you, what would it be? And then who would like to have Leslie and I pray for you? If you want anybody to pray for you, Leslie, pray for you, come forward. In the meantime, God bless you for watching online. See the Solemn Assembly, Solemn September.